Weapon Podcast is BYOT. Bring your own tacos. Dick swinging. Swinging. You're listening to American Slacker Podcast. We can say fuck. We can say fuck. With Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. I don't care if it's spoken. This is cool. That's a decent amount of sausage. This man you know needs what? a doctor. Yeah. I just hope they're tasty. What's up with these clowns, man? Cut the lights and went through people's pockets. Don't you point that at each other. Let them smoke a little. You need to like step it up to that point. <laughs> we're not gonna. We're not gonna lead with the. We're not gonna lead. Uh, we were uh, shooting. We're actually in the middle of shooting a feature film, and we were in the um, in a back alley in this uh, this city called Tarpon Springs. And for this particular film, uh, we're using um, real guns. Uh, so it's, it's just a small little 38 handgun. Uh, but regardless, like there's, um, there's rules you gotta, you gotta play by. Even if the guns are fake, you're supposed to technically have a off-duty police officer on, on set. Okay. Um, so in this particular scene, we had uh, a guy try to assault one of the main characters in a back alley and just right when we were going to shoot um, there was a wooden fence right next to us that came crashing down and there was a very very high crackhead that broke into our set and caused a pretty crazy commotion oh wow quite interesting yeah he just came on and I can just tell right away and it was it was I mean I'm, I'm I can laugh about it now because you know, at the moment there, it wasn't funny, but, like, now thinking about it, especially when I when we talk about it amongst ourselves, like, he came right up to my face, and huh. my my instinct was from, like, my, my all the years I worked in, in, in corporate America, and the first thing I say to him is, you know, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he was just, like, mumbling some service. stuff. Yeah, my customer service instinct kicked in, is like, can I help you? And, uh, I mean, it, it was, like, 3.30 in the morning. And the uh, the police officer was actually in the building where we were at, maybe about about 25 feet away, but he couldn't see anything because he was like right on the other side of the wall where we're at. And um, I just called for him, and the officer came right out. And I mean, just with his presence, he actually just kept walking towards the guy, and the guy kept walking back, and he ended up going to the other side of the alley, and he radioed in backup. And there was like four police cars that came and they were oh, actually, wow. they were like, you know, maybe about another 20 feet away. And it it just held us up for about an hour because the radios were going off so we couldn't shoot. Um, the police lights were all over the place so we couldn't shoot. So we actually got held up to about 4.30 in the morning and so Damn. We up by an hour because of it. But that was probably one of the weirdest things that ever happened to us on, on set. I mean, literally that fence came crashing down. The dude was like a zombie just coming right on set. And I just kind of pushed everybody back, make sure everybody was safe. And this dude just came right up to me, mumbling some stuff. Huh. And I, I just very politely called for the police officer, and he just came out and he just took care of it. But you know, everything ended up being real safe and calm, so it was cool. But it was still a scary situation. But now we all just kind of make the story bigger than what it is. Like there was an actor that was on set, and you know, he was like trying to walk past me i'm like where are you going and he had his chest out. he's like well i know karate i'm like man get back in there he, what, what are you gonna do dude <laughs> i'm gonna take him down exactly so i was like what are you gonna do so get back in there man this is this is real life right now you know 
right? The uh, the record button is off. God, I'm <laughs> just imagining like Dave Chappelle's character Tyrone crashing through the fence. Like, I'm here for auditions, baby. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Y'all got any yeah. roles? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's what we were thinking. I mean, there was. I mean, we we actually did a few takes prior to it, and um, I mean, the girl was screaming for help. So I don't know if that if that drew the attention oh. of this guy walking down the alley. Maybe, came in maybe just so he's a good he's a feet. good Samaritan just trying to you yeah. know. Hey, <laughs> he lend a hand. I heard a woman screaming. Yeah, he wanted to uh, sweep her off her feet or whatever. Um, so yeah, so when he came, we would just kind of make sure everything was safe, and that was it. Was actually just this whole movie itself has been a whole experience. We've had quite a few different stories of weird stuff happening with it. I mean, on every shoot that we go on, there's always something going on, but certainly with this film. Um, there's actually been a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, and th- there was another one with a, with another drug reference. Some other druggie came up to us. Uh, so it's kind of a rough part of the of the town, but, you know, we kind of try to handle it as best we could. <laughs> it's not, not really something you pencil into the production schedule, though. It's like, yeah, uh, exactly. all right, meet, call at 9, uh, we start rolling at 10, crackhead at 11. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Crackhead yeah. crashes fence down at eleven and comes yeah. right on set. Oh man, uh, glad you're here to provide these crazy stories about crackheads crashing your uh, your sets. <laughs> yeah, we're glad to have you here on American Slacker Podcast. As always, I'm Matthew, and I'm Jesse, and today we're joined by our guest. Uh, hi, my name is David Melendez, and I am the uh, owner and producer and director of uh, an independent studio called Studio House Pictures, based in Florida. And uh, D- David caught our eye on Instagram. The production uh, stills that you've been putting up from Misty Blue Lane. It's, uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm like a camera and movie buff myself, and Matt's, Matt's into photography as well. So a lot of what you put up, these red cameras you're shooting with, all the cool stills. Hell yeah! Really caught our attention. Oh, yeah, well, that's cool, man. I mean, actually, yeah, uh, I, I try to post some cool um, product, you know, behind-the-scenes production photos from various uh, productions that we have going on. Um, obviously, the one you mentioned, Misty Blue Lane, is a feature film, so that's pretty dominant on there right now. Um, but we have quite a few others going on as well. Um, but, yeah, I try to put them on. And what's interesting with the Instagram, uh, we've been getting a lot of love on there, especially from a lot of inspiring filmmakers. Uh, so nice. I, I, get a, I, I get a ton of private messages from all over the world with people saying you know thanks for the cool pictures and they, they ask a lot of questions so I, I try to be as interactive as I can on there um, as much as possible so I, I it's it, it feels good putting that stuff on there and it's not I, I guess a lot of the people are not looking at it as like like we're trying to show off or anything it's just something that they look at and they're like oh that's all cool stuff and and you know we kind of want to mimic that and and either work with you or, or kind of have our own thing going on. So it's 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 been a nice um, last couple months going on there and just posting all this stuff. Absolutely. It's a really supportive medium. That's what I've found. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, we, we also are on Facebook. Um, unfortunately, uh, Facebook has been trying to monetize a lot of their business pages. Um, I try not to post too much on my own personal page. I try to keep that for just close friends and family. Yep. Um, but even even the last few months, I, I like I'll do post. I'll sometimes will post some stuff about our films on my personal page, and it gets a lot of love. But you know, on our on our business account, uh, you know, I'll post something and it, it'll hit like two or three people, and then I'll immediately get uh, a message from Facebook saying, "Hey, you know, if you drop like ten bucks, we'll show this to you know twenty five thousand people." 
Right. And it, it wasn't like that, you know, a few years ago. So it's, it's unfortunate. But then, you know, now we're on Instagram and Instagram, I just put it on there. And it's just in, in trying to not trying. I mean, it's actually pretty easy finding other people in the same field um, and just following them. And they follow back. And, and we've just been having some nice success for, uh, for it. It's great. when And when you interact with people that are doing the sort of same thing you are, you're able to sort of bounce ideas off of each other and, like you said, get inspired. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of people who really, I mean, there's even been a handful of people who really, like, pouring their hearts out on there saying, like, I wish you can, I, I wish I can do what you guys are doing and stuff like that. And, and what I wow. what I respond back with is, like, hey, you know what? I mean, we're, we're just like you guys. I mean, we, we started off with you know all this equipment looks fancy but i told them that you you don't need all this fancy equipment um especially these days about, oh absolutely um i mean even like the expensive stuff is like it's crazy how inexpensive it is today i don't know if that makes sense or not i mean like 10 years ago you know you, you probably didn't uh, couldn't get away with like not dropping like 100 grand and in, in just movie gear just to get out and just start making films um, but today, I mean, you can shoot movies on your phone. So that's kind of the stuff I've been responding yeah. back with people, like what's holding you back, that the only thing that's holding you back is you. Um, you know, so that's usually, that's usually my, my uh, you know, advice to most people that, that are responding back and just saying like, you know, just stuff like kind of applauding all, all the stuff that we have. And I keep telling them like, look, man, all that stuff is just, Almost like an illusion. I mean, you can just shoot on your phone, or you can pick up a, a, a older DSLR. It it doesn't really matter what your equipment is. Is what's more important is just like what's the story that you're trying to tell, you know? Very true. And then just and then just make something. I always tell everybody, just make something. Like stop talking and just make it, you know? Like and and all the cans that you keep pushing out, um, I just usually tell them it's like you know all those cans is just yourself. Exactly. You know, there's. Yeah, so you you can shoot a movie. You can be your own biggest cheerleader or your own biggest barrier. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, even even back then, before I got into filmmaking, I was always like, you know, I live in Florida. Florida is not a very, um, you know, it's not like New York or L.A. or or even like Georgia. I mean, Georgia's yeah. become like the Hollywood of the East Coast these days. Florida's but, got you know, a Hollywood. Yeah, it's Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not like yeah, Hollywood. yeah, no way. There's a lot of old people there. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, I mean, even when I first started, it's like, how do you, you know, how do you get into it? And I usually just tell people, you know, you just got to try to find what you like about it, because um, there's just so many hats in in the movie making process. Um, and 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 just to give you a little background for myself, I mean, I got into it just writing um you know i i found the passion for writing and i figured like you know with writing i don't have to talk to anybody i don't have to buy a whole lot of gear uh you know if, if you really want to get all that cheap you can just pretty much write with a pen and a piece of paper but yeah right I mean, write, writing software is pretty cheap and if you got some good stories and you don't know how to write or properly write it then find somebody that can that can write it so there's really no excuse and then just as long as you have a good central base of what what kind of story you want to tell there's other people out there that will help you so just got to reach out there. Message. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Networking. Definitely. Now, did you grow up in Florida? Has that always been your home, like, stopping grounds? Uh, now, I consider Florida my home. I actually came uh, to Florida from New York. I was actually born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, 
and by the time I, th I, I it's been so long, I, I think it was like in junior high school, like first starting junior high school, we moved down, my, uh, my mom and dad retired and they just, we just followed the herd and uh, came down to Tampa and I've been here ever since. And that was like back in 87, so yeah, I've been here for quite some time. So I consider Tampa and Florida my, my home. Okay. And have, have you found, like, I, I know with a film group and a crew, you're, like, it's not, like you said, there's a lot of hats to where it doesn't come down to one person. And mm -hmm. sometimes the biggest struggle can be finding that group. Have you always sort of had a central crew? Yeah, well, what I did was I actually uh, went to film school. There was a, a, a small technical college in Tampa. And really, like, you know, film school is not really something that um i believe it or not i mean, I, I, I wouldn't even recommend them I because mean, it's it's so expensive yep um but really the the if you want to learn filmmaking like f film school and all that they, they'll just kind of teach you the the, the the basic technique um and like the do's and don'ts um, but really the probably the best value you get out of a film school is meeting other filmmakers and that's really where i met a lot of other people um that that love making films so uh, like four or five of them i actually were all pretty tight so we stayed in contact over the years and we nice. just worked together um but even these days it's it's actually getting more and more where you can just learn filmmaking off the internet so i mean if you that it's like i said I, if i would recommend film film school if you could afford it and you'll 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 really meet some good networking and you meet some really good people in networking and 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 some of these schools will actually help you find work Outside of that, I mean, you could really learn filmmaking on your own from either reading some books or, like I said, I mean, with YouTube these days, I mean, people are posting a lot of content. Hell, you content can learn online. You can learn anything on YouTube these days. We oh, we've definitely. covered stories where what was it, Matt? The kids? Oh, yeah. yeah, like an eight-year-old kid learned how to drive and uh, decided to go get to a restaurant, and he he did a pretty good job actually. He just got caught like because of people at the restaurant. And he, learned, he, he said he learned to drive on because he was watching YouTube videos on how to do. It. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, but yeah. As long as you have the passion, I could imagine that. Yeah, you could easily between books and you know videos online learn learn the basics like you're saying. But the networking part is probably the most difficult. Like yeah, said. the networking part and 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 really building a bond. I mean, but even these days, that's each that's even getting more and more where. People are not going to film school, just getting together with like f making film clubs or whatever, or just trying to poke around your local community um, and finding other filmmakers, or even even in the same genre as filmmaking, like photography, because um, they, they they they're different, but they're they just kind of marry each other um, because like uh, about five or six years ago, really um, the photography world has blended in as far as uh, equipment goes, has blended into the filmmaking world. Yep. Um, so even in that, you find other people that have that same passion and you can just kind of, you know, build a group. And what I always tell people is just like, you know, just go out and, and just, just make a movie. It doesn't matter if it's bad, <laughs> really. Making a, make, yeah, learn from making mistakes, a bad right? movie is better than making no movie. And really, the, probably one of the biggest pet peeves I have personally is just people who talk a lot and they don't do shit. Oh, sorry. I don't know if you can no, say that. Oh, yeah. You can say, you can say anything you, you can want. Say shit. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's one of my biggest pet peeves, man, is like people who don't do shit and, and they just do a lot of talking about like what they're going to do or they kind of talk about like what other people should be doing and then they don't do anything. So, my biggest thing they're is they're not producing any exactly, content. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, just get involved and just do anything. It's like 
you're not I, I guess what a lot of people get stuck at is they think that even if it's a five minute film they think it has to be the best five minute five minute film in the world and it's like if it's your first film it's your first film you just got to keep doing it and then just learn from it and then just keep duplicating that um, I mean, don't duplicate your mistakes, but just keep duplicating how you're just going to keep creating content. Right. Um, it's it's crazy yeah. to think that what you make as your first and only thing would be perfect. It That comes I, well, from making mistake after mistake after mistake to eventually know how to do it perfectly. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, I mean, you, you'll be surprised. I mean, there's people that I know that they'll sit on scripts. They're like, well, it's not perfect yet. I'm like, it'll never be perfect. And I know that feeling. You know what I mean? That's why. That's why a lot of times. I mean, if 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 you if you read about you know your favorite films, like the Hollywood films or you know popular independent films that 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 we all love, if you just read about it, even those films, you know, they don't. It, it if if somebody gave you that opportunity to keep trying to make it perfect, it would never be finished. Right. It would never be finished. It would never be finished written. It would never be finished being shot. It would never be finished editing. I mean, eventually somebody would shut you down because it's costing somebody else's money. But right. <laughs> I'm just talking about just the basics of it. It's just you can stay on it forever. And and I fell into that also, even like in, in, in editing projects. It's just like if, if there was no deadline, we're like, well, let's try this, let's try that. And it was just – you would just be there forever. So I always just tell people it's just like, you know what? Write something even if it's a few minutes. I don't care what it is. Just you know, get, get together with somebody. And if you don't know how to shoot, if you don't know how to write, find people that can You'd or get on YouTube. You oh, yeah, get on. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, an entire medium. With writing, especially, like, you can't be married to your idea of, like, Mm-mm. this is perfect, nothing can change. Like, I even if you came up with the perfect script, you're going to get out into the production, like, location and realize, like, something doesn't quite match. And there's going to need to be revisions or script edits or, like, a scene added or taken away. That tends to be the nature of the business, it seems. Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize is that in filmmaking, there's really three major changes that happens um, in your story. It's it's going to change in your writing, right? Because when you when you write your first draft, your second draft, or however, however many drafts you change, until you get into production. And when you get into production, which is your shooting production, it's going to change again. I don't care how perfect you are, it's it's going to change again. Uh, whether it's your location, whether somebody doesn't show up you know there's there's so many factors in there where you're going to end up changing your story um and then probably the the biggest changes that are going to happen is going to be in editing so the editing yep. part is just where it can change again i mean i say it can but most likely something will change it just doesn't work in post so if you work with somebody that's editing your film it's just like this will work better over here or let's move it over you know what i mean so it it, it drastically changes three times at least um and, and even and, and, and the same concept goes with big Hollywood movies. It's the same thing. I mean, you can read about all this trivia, even if you just go on IMDb.com, you can read about trivia and all kinds of films, and you'd be surprised from, like, what actors were considered to take roles of, of movies that we love today, and you think about, like, wow, that actor doesn't fit that, you know what I mean? But they consider that. So things are constantly changing right. um, all the time throughout the whole production process. Absolutely. That's, it's just kind of how it, how it ends up turning out at the end of the day you, yep. it's kind of like a game of telephone <laughs> yeah exactly so studio house pictures when when did uh when did you start that what was the birth year of studio house pictures i got um i got really serious into filmmaking in 2011 so this will be our what sixth year now 
um, in January of 2011. So yeah, so it'll be six years in yeah, we're in 2017. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I've worked on indie films and done other indie films prior to 2011, but I I registered the company and decided to like, all right, now let's try to monetize um, with this business. Uh, of studio house pictures and making indie film. I mean, my, my main passion is to make films. Um, but you know, everybody out there that's an independent filmmaker, you know, making movies is, doesn't make money. <laughs> um, just, just in a nutshell, actually, most people will tell you you're crazy if you're getting into making independent films. Um, right. so, so we mix it up. So we, you know, to monetize it, we'll make music videos, we'll make commercials, um, nice. just, just all kinds of stuff to bring it in. But really, the true passion is making films. But an, an, another advice to give people, like, regardless of what it is that you work on, whether it's a music video, a documentary, or a commercial, you should always treat all those as films because everybody has a story to tell. Everybody. And a lot of times people don't think about that. So if you're, if you're making a commercial for, you know, to advertise a product, there's a story to tell in there. It all depends on what the client's story, what do they want to tell to their audience. Because that's really the, the, the basis of it is when you make a video, you put a camera together and you shoot, you put a crew together and you shoot whatever it is that you're shooting, you have to think about your audience. So regardless if it's a commercial, music video, you know, if it's a, like I said, if it's a music video, who does that artist want to reach out to? You know what I mean? It's not just like, oh, yeah, I, I just want to get signed with my music, and that's fantastic, but how are you going to do that? Like, who's your audience? So that's that's usually the, the basics that we use on, on anything that we do. So on the Instagram account, I try to mix it up, but like I said, um, since Misty Blue Lane has been our, our – our, it, it, it's just been our biggest project that um, it's just dominated the, uh, <laughs> the Instagram page right now. But there is a few other things that are on there as well, including some commercial shoots. Actually, we just got back from doing – a pretty big commercial actually a series of commercials um uh, about a week and a half ago so we had to go out nice. for it that's a good way to subsidize the dream which mm-hmm. is to make the the independent film yeah definitely now i'm looking at the studio s pictures website right now and i'm mm-hmm. so over the course of six years you've put out at least 12 short films here those are the ones that i've i've put up um you know, for trailers on them. We actually had just recently about, I don't know, about three or four weeks ago, we just signed a distribution deal um, with a company out in, uh, in Los Angeles that, that wanted to pick up uh, five of our short films and to make it into a compilation uh, package. Okay. And for, for like, uh, like DVD release type of thing or to networks or, yeah, well, right now the, the the big thing is is video on demand. So I mean, in in the oh, contract, no. it does state that there is an option for DVD. Um, so it's just pretty much what medium they feel they can push it through. And these days, I mean, really, Netflix, the studios, I'm they, guessing. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to get away from all types of hard media with Blu-ray and DVD. Um, There's a lot really less cost when you don't have to produce the uh, physical disc. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole production process to produce a DVD. It's not even funny. <laughs> well, it depends how it depends how in depth you want to get into it. And I'm sure you guys yeah. have gone through it too. You go to the store, you buy a DVD of a movie you really like, and it's just like a shitty version. Like they'll just have the movie on there, and then that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No cool no, menus. No cool artwork. No extras. Stuff. 
exactly exactly so but yeah that's an option i mean it just you know it's it's worldwide distribution so there's there's so many different markets in the world um so there you know there might be some markets that like all right well yeah we want dvd so right they'll go ahead and and do a dvd for it or blu-ray or whatever but really video on demand is really taking over that whole that whole medium that's like revolutionary in terms of being able to for for indie films to just go straight to people at their home through something like a medium like netflix oh yeah absolutely i mean these days now it's actually really tough because it's become a buyer's market actually uh when it comes to films because of the uh the market is so saturated because the technology has has reduced in cost that there's so many there's so much content being made i mean don't get me wrong they all want content but now they can get more and more picky on what content they want to put on you know whatever medium whether it's netflix or itunes or whatever and then there's so many different outlets now that um that you that you could even do self-distribution i mean amazon offers a self-distribution path that you can get into um so you really can get your project out there if if you can't like get through um like a, an actual distribution company or if you feel like you're going to get screwed by a, a distribution company you could actually just go through self distribution but with that just it just comes with a whole other beast in like you know in your marketing strategy and you have to put some money in all that so it's just it's another hat you're going to have to wear oh, too absolutely absolutely yeah. Yeah. and you'd have to handle all the advertising and getting the people to actually watch it as well yeah that's the thing and that's i mean and me personally like i've i've been criticized for that is like i'm not very good at marketing myself or marketing my company and it's just I just don't even think about it. You know what I mean? So I mean even even big brands that you know they'll they'll hire major agencies to help them push their brand. Um, I mean there's no comparison for what we do, but at the same time if you look at it at a small scale, we have social media out there to help, but even pushing social media, I mean all these social media platforms have been trying to monetize that. You know what I mean? They're like, "All right, you want to post on here?" Yeah, we'll put it on there, but you gotta have to pay a few bucks to just get it advertised. Yeah, reach the mass. It's hard to get those organic views. Exactly, exactly. So if you if you do a self distribution deal, um, you know if if you're if you're able to get it in through uh, like Amazon Prime, um, which they shouldn't give you any any issues. Um, I mean, unless you're doing stuff that's not as long as it's not porn, pretty much. I mean, you can pretty much distribute anything on Amazon Prime. Um, and but the thing is, is what's that's, once that's it's pretty on there, cool. I know people. Yeah. There's there's some big uh, series on Amazon Prime that are like only available there, so that kind of puts you in a market with people that are going to be able to see your stuff. Yeah, definitely. But again, it's just one of those things where if if you don't have a marketing strategy behind it, like like myself, for example, I'm like, well, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, am I going to put a budget together for a few hundred bucks and just like blast it over Facebook or whatever? So that's why a distributor, that's what their that's what their expertise is, is is getting your movie out there and, and pushing it through various mediums. Um, but I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking Amazon Prime. That's great. You just have to make sure that you're good at um, marketing your film as well or, or whatever project, whether it's a short film or a music video you want to put on there. Um, you could get it on there, but you just have to make sure you have a good marketing strategy plan behind it right and that's the most important thing because if you're going to be dumping that kind of money in you got to see the return on it oh definitely 
Yeah, and a lot of times, I mean, like, I've seen the payouts for, for self-distributing on Amazon Prime. Um, most people that do it on self-distribution, they're not, they're not looking to monetize. I mean, they're, they, they just want the product out there and just get their name out there, um, tell their friends, and, and hopefully it'll just go you know, viral in their own sense on Prime and, and it, it gets noticed by the right person. I mean, that's really what the, the ultimate goal is, is to get it out and have as many people as you can watch it um, and then you know hopefully it'll hit someone that can make a difference you know whether it's a producer or somebody that sparks an interest I mean there's 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 studios out there right now and there's there's companies with money that hire people just to scrub the internet to look for content to look for filmmakers um, it's, it's, wow. it's it's actually pretty crazy so um, I, I believe that I mean there was actually a film um, and I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, oh, it's called Lights Out. I don't know if you guys have heard of that film or not. Yeah, yep. well, that film was started off as a short film that went on YouTube by those filmmakers. Really? Yeah. Wow. If you Google or if you just go on YouTube and look up Lights Out, like original short, it's a short film. And it's just a woman uh, going to bed and, her, and the lights in the other room keep turning on. And she goes to shut them off and she turns them on. And next thing you know, there's just like this creepy face that pops up of a woman right by her bed when she turns the light on turns it off that was essentially was lights out and then it got to the it went viral and someone said hey let's reach out to these guys and next thing you know they're they're making a feature film so same thing with that's uh, crazy i didn't even know that so somebody else took the vision and and turned it into their own and expanded well they actually took the same filmmaker that made the film and they and they and they yeah oh just worked with them them to make a to make a feature okay Yeah, I mean that's that, that's that's, that's one of those needles in the haystacks. But you know what? You're not going to hit unless you play, right? So, it's a good thing to to get your stuff yes. out there. Um, you know, even if it's that. I mean, for myself, like I, I I've never released any of any of the films that I worked on um, on the internet. I mean, I I did. There, there was two of them that I had that were on the internet that 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 they're part of that compilation. But I just never had it out there because I never had a plan of like, all right, let me see how many hits I can get on this thing to see if it'll get picked up. Um, so I essentially wanted to get something packaged together. And I mean, there's movie, you know, some of these short films that I worked on that that are on this compilation. I mean, I mean, some of them are back, are dated back to 2011. So that's how long that I've had wow. them sitting there, just kind of waiting, you know, to try to brand it all together as one and. Um, when the opportunity struck and they, somebody came across the website and they're like, oh, you got a lot of films on there. You know, what's it about? And um, so I started communicating with them back and forth. And it's like, if you guys distribute shorts, I got I got shorts for you guys to screen. And that's basically how that happened, which is which we're really excited about. But at the same time, it's just kind of a scary thing. You know what I mean? At the same time, thinking like, how much people now more and more people are going to be watching these. So it's you kind of like on the on the spotlight. That's crazy to think that just something like a little short on YouTube is all you need to like get that kind of exposure. Oh yeah, the uh, same thing happened with um, I mean, it's a very popular movie called Saw, which I know you guys know Saw. Uh, <laughs> Saw I think was released in two thousand four, and um, the director and the uh, actually one of the actors that was in the movie um, it was a producer on that film, and they actually try to shop that through Hollywood just you know traditionally and they actually ended up making a short film it was a little different they didn't blast it out on the internet but they used it as part of their packaging um, to kind of give the vision for the for saw and someone picked it up 
and it's a multi-billion dollar franchise now, you know? So, yeah, you just got to play to, you know, to kind of stay in the game. That's all you need these days. It's like you said, all you got to do is do it and, like, stop talking about it. Yeah, put just... Put your stuff out there. Exactly. You just do it. I mean, even, like, I'm not, like, me. That everybody has their own, you know, different personality. I mean, I personally don't like putting my films on the internet. I mean, I just think the internet, it's so oversaturated and it kind of contradicts what I'm saying. You got to put yourself out there. But I just kind of had a different strategy where... You know, I have trailers out there, and I got my website and all this other stuff. So if, you know, if someone comes knocking, then it's like, here, you know, this is what we got. Are you interested? And it actually did pay off. I mean, they, they didn't pick them all up, but they picked up five, which is not bad. Um, considering That's awesome. How many we had. Um, and then they're like, yeah, we want to put this together as a compilation. And, and, and for me personally, it, the last question that I had for them was, how much is this going to you know how much money is that going to bring in? Because really, the, right. the opportunity I'm looking at is to open that door into getting the projects submitted and or not submitted but exposed. So once they're exposed, and hopefully the right people see it, and they're like, "Hey, you know, can you work on something like this?" And it gives you the opportunity to work on something bigger and better. Right, it's and that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, you can't be focused on the. I mean, the money is nice yeah. once it does come in. You can do a lot more with it. Absolutely. But those, like you were saying before, with uh, film school, it's it's the networking that's the most important part. Yeah, that's why. They, I mean, even even if you even if you Google film school, I mean, there there's just there's a lot of blogs and a lot of articles that are really talk about like don't go to film school because it's it's uberly expensive and and for me personally i think if you could afford it it's fantastic because they do teach you the basics and they teach you the structure and they teach you i mean they they teach you how to make a film um they don't teach you how to have talent i mean that's you know you can't go to film school if you got no talent then it's you know so so yeah exactly so if you have if if you can get that structure in and you can figure out where kind of you fit in in the process um, it's great, yep. but like I said, the, the biggest value is is getting to know other people. And and if you look back into all 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 your favorite filmmakers, most of them like have somebody that they've always you know that they've always worked with, uh, or at least for the most part of their career. Either it's a director and a DP have always known each other for a while, so they worked together on a lot of films. And I mean, e- e- even the biggest filmmakers like Spielberg, um, you know, Kubrick, a lot of them used. Uh, you know, well, Kubrick's kind of a whole different story. He's kind of like a madman. <laughs> Spielberg, they kind of yeah. use kind of similar. You know, if you look up on IMDb, uh, a lot of the DPs work with the same director, so it's it's usually met somewhere. And so that's that's the beauty about film school is like you know they they kind of force you into these teams and you start building relationships with people and you learn how to work with them and then you usually kind of stick with that, which is nice. So. Yeah. You even see that in, in like larger Hollywood settings, like uh, I, what comes to mind is like Adam Sandler's uh, Happy Madison productions yeah. or uh, Jud- Judd Apatow's uh, productions, where he ends up using Seth Seth Rogen and Paul Rudd. Oh yeah, yeah, a lot. Yeah, a lot of and a lot of people don't get that. Like, I mean, people just I I hear a lot of comments like that that I get told about like, why does the director use the same person? It's like well, they probably have a great. It's like, why wouldn't you? A great working relationship, <laughs> and it's and look, yeah. and the movies are still making a ton of money. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if you look at Scorsese films, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, I mean, he used the shit out of Robert De Niro. Now he's using the shit oh, out yeah. of Leonardo DiCaprio. 
So and you're still and you're still watching yeah. the movie. So it's like why why are you knocking on that? So they have you still like the movie. And it's, yeah. So it's just a it's it's very very important to have that chemistry, whether it's with actors or it's with crew. So I mean I, I I've been I mean don't get me wrong I've I worked with a lot of new people I like working with a lot of new people but really like the central core of our team is usually like the same like three to five people including myself and not knocking at anybody but it's just a thing where it's like they kind of get the madness <laughs> instead of like you got you're gonna get in the shit with me now right so they kind of understand uh, we all understand how we communicate with each other and then if there's if there's always gonna you know there's always gonna be some type of friction or something like that we know that afterwards it's you know we can get over it over a beer later you know it's not a big deal so you just kind of get caught in the moment but you know with some new with somebody new they might not understand that so you have to kind of kind of gel that in definitely if it ain't broke don't fix it yeah yeah exactly yeah <laughs> now do you have any uh who, who would you say are your influences if you if you had to pick director directorial wise my the biggest influence for me was with was always john carpenter who who created uh, nice ha- halloween uh, yeah very yeah, nice yeah. very Ever nice. since i was a kid uh the original halloween influenced me into just loving movies and then just you know, yes, growing sir. up i i <laughs> i watched a lot of campy horror films um but really the the john carpenter films i've always even before i i i knew i was a fan of john carpenter i was like as a kid i'd be like oh there's a movie called escape from new york and then you find out it's oh, it's the same guy who made halloween um yep. and then now as at the older i got and the more and more i got more passionate into filmmaking i can and and that goes with a lot of directors that i that i like but you get to see the same style throughout all their films even even if the movies are are drastically different you can still kind of see the same uh kind of style and then also on on newer films that are out now that you know that they're influenced by by uh by all the directors you can see how they were influenced as well so um yeah for me it was it's it's always been john carpenter i mean i i I, that's awesome yeah i I love john carpenter films and uh they're, they're like my favorite so it, which makes sense because in a lot of your movies, it, it's uh, definitely a horror motif. I, I've always been a big fan of the thing. Yeah, yeah, and the thing wasn't even re- uh, it wasn't well received when it when it came out. Now it's a cult it's a cult movie, so cult classic oh, yeah. without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, Big Trouble, Little China. Oh, oh yeah, man. big time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some weird effects in that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So J- John Carpenter is in a big influence of yours, and and. Would you say horror is like where you would pin yourself if you had to pick a corner? No, really. For me, that's the one thing too. Like a lot of the the marketing and the posters look like it's all horror. We actually have only made one horror film. Um, okay. Everything else, I'm I'm actually more into like dark uh, psychological thrillers. Um, okay. And actually, this new movie, Misty Blue Lane, is actually a crime drama, which is another genre that I really like. Um, but yeah, but I. I I don't mind it either way. I mean, I I love horror films also, so I got nothing. But I I really do pin myself into like the human psyche and the brain and and you know how kind of wacky people are and stuff like that. Like like w- like one of my favorite movies is Taxi Driver, um, and Taxi <laughs> Driver that is just a perfect film. Of, he goes nuts. In yeah, that movie. and showing the slow the de- yeah the show the the slow decline of somebody's mental state just going cuckoo. Um, that's probably one. And Har- of the, one Harvey Keitel was a piece of shit. Yeah, in that he's, movie. He's a pimp. Yeah. <laughs> Jodie Foster. <laughs> yeah, she was oh, only. Man. I think she was only like fourteen years old in that movie too. Yeah, that and that raised a lot of hell when that came out. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, big time. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, for me, I, I like um, uh, psychological thrillers and crime dramas are, are really what I what I enjoy. Any that you've seen recently or gone uh, to the movies or gone out of the way to watch on, like, Netflix or anything? Um, what have I seen? Actually, no, nothing recent. I know, like, my wife and I, we actually sat down and, and went through, like, our whole DVD collection and Blu-ray collection. We actually watched Capote, uh, which is a 2008 okay. movie um, with, with uh, Seymour Hoffman. Um, so that yep. was, like, a crime drama, more drama uh, film. I, I kind of enjoy films like that, but... Really, I mean, and then even like a few days prior to that at home, I, I watched this film from the 80s called The Exterminator, which I watched like a hundred times. Um, and I watched it again. <laughs> it's like one of those, um, uh, it, it's just another cult classic film um, that, that they try to rip off of Death Wish and um, and some other, uh, uh, what do you call it, vigilante type style movies. Um that I yeah, I'm looking at his his po- the poster for the Exterminator. He's got like a motorcycle helmet and a flamethrower. Yeah, yeah, that movie was big time controversial when it came out. So I kind of grew up around the in the '80s with those movies uh, that I that I that I really really uh, enjoyed. So and I don't know what possessed me to watch the Exterminator the other day. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna I saw it. Like, Let me just pop it in and watch it. The uh, the tagline on the poster in war you have to kill to stay alive on the streets of New York it's often the same yeah ex- exactly <laughs> exactly and what's interesting about that movie too is like um, in in one of the TV spots for it to market the film um, they 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 made a reference to something like uh, he's not he's not a taxi driver and he has no death wish he's just a man that was pushed <laughs> over the edge so they you can tell they were just trying to compete with. Like Death Wishes is probably the most uh. famous vigilante <laughs> movie ever, and then Taxi Driver right. is another one where it's just some wacko just decided to like, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and shoot up the world. You know what I mean? Um, Descent into madness, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the Exterminator came out. And it was just kind of like this exploitative type of film, but it, I don't know. It was it didn't do very well, but actually it did do very well, but not like Death Wish and like um, uh, you know some of these other vigilante films that. Uh, some and I mean some films will do really well in theaters, but then they don't really withstand the test of time. Yeah, and vice versa. I think Matt had brought up the thing. The thing was very uh, bombed, and it actually almost killed Carpenter. Actually, killed Carpenter's career in the United States. Uh, That's crazy. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was his. That was his biggest. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm filled with so much useless uh, trivia. So it's not even funny. <laughs> Um, <laughs> too, so was it too gory for the audience? It was just or? what happened was I think it was released in '82, and what happened was it was released in the same time as ET. So you had two alien, uh, you had two alien movies, right? Damn, and one was that's a tough break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it just completely bombed at the box office, and it was it made, made people angry. And plus, you know, it's different times in the '80s, and it is now. Um, but over the years, ET wouldn't do that. Exactly, <laughs> he's a nice alien. Yeah, so the ET become, became like the, the biggest smash hit in the world at the time, and then you got this movie with, you know, a guy's head turning into yeah. a spider. <laughs> That's crazy. You know, I was listening to a podcast with Guy Rich, and he was talking about that exact instance in today's you know filmmaking world. It's like you really have to watch where your like release date mm-hmm. is because of all, like opposing oh, films, wow. man. Oh yeah, it could literally break your film. Huh. And with all the time and like money you put into it, like yep. uh, it, it's crazy. It is crazy because uh, I think he's working on Aladdin now. That's his next film. Yep. Is actually a live action Aladdin, and he's like all worried about when that's coming out because I think there's another uh, DC movie coming out at the same time. Mm-hmm. So he had to push it like a month or something. Yeah, it's become so yeah. so crowded now. I mean, now it's like 
there's not enough time in the whole year. Like if you think about it, like there's only 50, there's yeah. only 52 weeks in the year, which you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, it's like, oh, we're just going to release our biggest movies in the summer. Now it's they still do that, but now it's just like, all right, well, what's coming out that same week? So it's this whole like war room of like when they're going to. I mean, even movies get shelved and they wait to release them sometimes because they don't want to compete against you know other big movies that are coming out. It's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's 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 quite fascinating. And often it'll be movies that are coming out from the same company that yeah. produce the movie they're shelving. Yeah, no, exactly. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like playing, it's like, so a, it's like, like a chess match. Cannibalizing their own profits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all quite quite fascinating. That's all the, you know, the, the business side, which kind of like what we talked about earlier about marketing your own film. And it's just a whole other animal to deal with uh, when it comes to the business side of filmmaking. And I mean, like like personally for myself, like I don't, I'm not into marketing. I know it has to be done, um, but marketing and then even doing this distribution deal with this company, it was just like, it, it just completely takes you out of the creative process. Um, it just has to do with contracts and this whole different world of stuff. And, and that's why, I mean, if you, if you really like to read about the history of different, especially your favorite movies, they all have a quite fascinating story. I mean, even with, this new Wonder Woman movie that just came out, which I saw yesterday, which I thought was really good. Um, the director in that film, like, she hasn't she hasn't made a feature film in like thirteen years, thirteen fourteen years. Oh wow! And the last I movie, the last movie she made was Monster with Sher- with Sharice uh, Theron. That was oh, that was God. a really good one too. Yeah, I watched that last night. Oh, wow, really? That's Are you kidding? That's so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lean Warnos <laughs> with Christina Ritchie in yeah. it as her sidekick. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. a really I'm good. Like in a serial killer craze right now. So yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I I do the same thing. I, I go into like these different modes. I guess that's why maybe I fell into watching the Exterminator the other day. I'm like, oh, let me see if I get into this and watch them again. Um, yeah. But yeah, the same thing. Like like that. That's crazy. that director made. Fourteen <laughs> years. Yeah, she made wow. Mommy. She's worked in the biz. Like if you look her up, you know, she's. I think she's done a few episodes of Entourage. And and a few other uh, episodes of different, yeah, just some other stuff here and there. And then I think there was a time like a few years ago um, where she was offered to do Wonder Woman, but it didn't work out. It's just a mess with these, sometimes with these movies that they decide to pull them, especially in in the DC Comics world right now. They can't, they're kind of scrambling, trying to match with Marvel. (laughs) Um, So so she was in the picture, then she was out, and then 13, 14 years later, she is, and she's directing... You know, well, probably their best and breaking like, records on top of it. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. It's probably their best uh, as far as DC is probably their best film as far as like financially. How much I making. keep hearing about Wonder Woman. Like yeah. all I'm hearing is great things about it. Like every podcast is talking about it. Like every personality is talking about it. Yeah, yeah, I, I enjoy. It. I mean, for me, like the like a lot of the people that I know locally, like I've heard some mixed reviews, but it's been more leaning towards the positive and then i i, I wanted yeah, to see same. it so i went to see it i mean i i enjoyed it um so i mean and, and i'm not even a really big fan of, of superhero movies but i mean that's kind of the the fad going on now on what it has been for the last oh, few yeah. years and it just looks like it's never going to stop so you know but <laughs> I, I don't knock films out there i think it's great it's just they can just release anything and we all have a choice I, you want to see it or not and go see it and if not then hey. i have a feeling it's going to be like game of thrones where they eventually hit the wall where they <laughs> used up all the material, now they got to start yep. writing new stuff, yeah. and that, and that yep. might be where it starts to falter. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? There's so much awesome content in in comics. I mean, that's why in a lot of these movies, like I wish they would 
spill more from a lot of this content that's coming from the comics, but because there is a different formula in filmmaking, and then obviously is, is they need to make money, so they try to appeal to a grand audience, and then there's also an international audience they have to appeal to. Um, but really now, I mean, if Netflix is picking up Marvel, you know, a lot of they, they picked up Luke Cage and Jessica Jones, and they picked up you know they picked oh, up yeah. so many Luke Cage, um, perfect man. Yeah. Jessica Jones was awesome. Yeah, so I mean, it's I don't know. I think I think there's an entire goldmine of you know if they're not, oh, not yeah. going to release in the movies, well, Netflix or whoever is just going to keep trying to pick them up. So they're they're going to dig, dig down that rabbit hole. Yeah, absolutely. Well, dude, I'm looking forward to the Venom with Tom Hardy. Like that's going to be dope. Yeah, I heard about that, that too. Will be yeah. really good. Yeah, that's going to be a solid movie. I hope. <laughs> I, I have a feeling we're gonna once they do get through all these little side characters like. Uh, the, all the ones past Ant Man, um, they're, they're gonna end up start doing like Paul Rudd. They're gonna no, no. Paul Rudd's great, uh, but they're gonna have to you know tap the well all the way back to like ancient Greece or something. We're gonna see like Greco Roman uh, stories being welled up <laughs> oh, yeah. after these oh, comics. Yeah, I don't know, man. They'll 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 probably just keep rebooting. I mean, it was just so funny when I heard, "Hey, Spider Man's getting rebooted." I'm like, didn't they just make that like a few years ago? I do That's like because of Tobey Maguire, though. Yeah, Come I on, I do now. like the new Spider Man. <laughs> I have to say the the new actor that they chose for it. Yeah, Andrew uh, Andrew Garfield. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, 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 no. no, no the, even the other one, uh, the newer one. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah three. What? There's another new Spider Man. Yeah. But Jesus, I can't yeah, keep. I up. can't keep up. He's uh, he's a young British kid, but I I like. That Spider-Man's not being played by someone who's like almost in their thirties. Spider-Man to me <laughs> is yep. like a is like a teenage into early twenties superhero. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just figuring out the world, and he's fucking figuring out that he's not normal. <laughs> because uh, I mean, in the originating Spider-Man, he was in high school. Tom Holland is the new Spider-Man. Tom Holland. Yeah. And it and now in this new one, that's gonna have Captain America and uh, Tony Stark coming in. So there's a lot of like crossover into the Avengers type stuff. Yeah, yeah. He despite okay. they introduced this new Spider-Man in um, I think it was Civil, Civil War. War. I believe. Yeah, Civil War. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay, okay. I did not catch that. <laughs> they had all the uh, the memes of him stealing Captain America's shield and like I am the captain now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting new future for for media and movies and independent film. Oh yeah, definitely, man. I mean, these days out, you can. I mean, a- anybody can pretty much pick up a camera and make make a film. I mean, best thing you could do is just you know collaborate with some good people and get your friends involved or whoever you can, and just start you know just start putting stories together. It's not um, it's not rocket science, <laughs> really. It's not. Yeah, just just got to do it. Like you said, it's a uh, that old Nike slogan. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So we're excited to have you on. We're glad we got the chance to talk to you. We're, uh, do you have anything that you want to plug in terms of uh, Instagram, website, Facebook, that kind of stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, my, my production company is Studio House Pictures. It's plural, studiohousepictures.com. And it's the same with our Facebook. is facebook.com slash studiohousepictures. And our Instagram is at studiohousepictures. And I'm David Melendez, and I, I produce and direct, and, and I collaborate with a team of uh, some awesome guys that um, we get together and just make a bunch of indie films and you know uh, whenever we're able to get commercials and music videos and all kinds of stuff um, that, that really brings in some um, some income then you know we work on those as well uh, but really our, our, our big passion is, is making uh, short films and feature films and right now we're making like I said we're making a feature film called Misty Blue Lane it's a crime drama 
that takes place in Florida, and you know we're hoping to make a splash with it. We're hoping to get it released by um, sometime this fall. So keep uh, fingers cool. crossed. <laughs> Absolutely. So awesome. everyone, everyone, make sure you go uh, follow on all the social medias and visit the website and send any work over to Studio Ass Pictures. Yeah, that'll be great. <laughs> if you want to check out our Facebook or our Insta, just search uh, American Slacker Podcast. If you want to check out our website, AmericanSlackerPodcast.com. And uh, send us an email at AmericanSlackerPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Reddit at A-M-E-R-S-L-K-R Podcast. That's Amer Slacker Podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please tell a friend. If they're not into podcasts, send them on over to the YouTube. We have our newest episodes always up there, including this bonus episode with David Melendez. And if you want to hear any of the artists that we cover on American Slacker, all you have to do is go to Spotify and check out our playlist. All you have to do is search American Slacker Podcast. Become a Patreon supporter of the show. We would love to have anything you're willing to give us. It gives you a lot of benefits, like a shout-out on the show. You can ask us a question. And you get access to play Xbox with us at the fourth Saturday of every month. Check us out on our personal Instagrams and our Snapchats. Uh, my Instagram is NWG Media, and my Snapchat is Maddie G from HP. And you can check out my gamertag, Maddie G from HP, as well. Uh, my personal Instagram, Snapchat, gamertag, all that is Landers the Plane. Thanks again, David, for being on. Sure. Man. Well, I was going to say, we, you, we always like to end the show with our little tagline. Is there any, any little thing that you want to end the show on like do you have a slogan or anything i guess just do it maybe yeah right? just do it <laughs> i don't want to steal it from nike now <laughs> nice well yeah. uh trade it's now trademarked by uh by david yeah <laughs> yeah well i always ask people like what's stopping you so that's usually my first response to people that I always ask like about indie film and all that. I was like well what's stopping you if they tell me like you want to i want to make films like well, what's stopping you all right, let's end, let's end it with that one. Matt's going to do uh, That's it. I'll say there you go. You give a what's stopping you. Okay. Sounds good to me. Well, uh, until next time, people, we love all of you, and thanks for tuning in. And uh, that's it. There you go. What's stopping you?